Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Make believe is not pretend, we might be but we're on the mend. It never starts, it never ends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to Craig and Friends. Welcome to... Um, hi, my name is John Mark. Of course, you know that voice, that sexy voice, that alluring voice from the previous episode with Tammy Brown and John Mark, and of course, John Mark, my guest on this episode of Craig and Friends, the director and co-creator of The Browns, and stylist, uh, photographer, director of many, many other projects, which I'm looking forward to getting into, but we were just talking about how long it's been since we've seen each other, which it was over two years. Yeah. And it was at the fabulous Tammy Brown Gala. Yeah. She did a gala at Hamburger Mary's in Long Beach. It was really fun. But it's like a time is just bending, you know, time yeah. and space. It's been a minute. It really has. Well, it's lovely yeah. to see you again. It looks nice in here. It looks like maybe you added some lights or... You know, I did. That's right. That When you were here before, it was a little stark in terms of the lighting. So what I did was got the Hue lighting system. Mm-hmm. And they're LED lights, which means that I think they last about 20 to 30 years. I'm not sure the studies oh, wow. aren't in yet. Versatile and sustainable lighting. It's important. And it's something that Hue. you have, Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by the Hue Corporation. Yes. Now, uh, lighting, of course, is important to you. Very important. Yeah. As a director, what's the first thing that you think of when you have a project that you're about to attack? What is the first thing that I think of? I guess the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the story or or the the vibe, the tone, the yeah. energy. Yeah, I'm not like I would say like I'm a I'm a director producer before I am a writer, though I do write a lot. So a lot of times the first impulse is something visual that mm-hmm. comes to mind. So yeah, you get an image and a sort of vibe maybe mm-hmm. as the sort of guiding principle. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The new season of the, of the Browns has a new home, right? It does. Yeah. We're, we've scaled considerably this time around. I mean, the first, the first season, I, I have a hard time even calling a first season because what it really was, was a Frankenstein of all <laughs> the Instagram episodes that we did. Sure. Um, so out, out TV had wanted to order an episode of the Browns right as the pandemic hit. Uh. So yeah. then I was like, okay, what can we do here? How can we still, you know, give the show some mileage and and figure out a way to evangelize it more with the world? So yeah. we took all of the short form episodes from Instagram and we had had like additional scenes and footage that we had cut because we were making the show for that like, you know, one to two minute format. So we kind of Frankensteined it together, um, myself and my editor, Eric Kolosh, and um, it's honestly a miracle that the first season is as coherent as <laughs> it is um, because of how it was made. So this second season um, was a really fun challenge because we actually got to write for the half hour television format. Yeah. And what, what's the writing process like for the Browns? Um, for our show, it just starts with like a lot of conversations, conversations between myself and Paige, who's the head writer on the show, myself and Tammy and Sheila. And I, I usually start by writing just an outline. Mm-hmm. 
um, of the whole season, kind of the arc as a whole. And again, this sort of the beginning of it starts with this image that strikes you, right? Mm -hmm. Like a sort of vision of the vibe and the mood. Yeah, absolutely. And we also, the with the end of the first season, we were kind of left with a big question. Like Tammy like fled. So when we, that was kind of the one um, fixed narrative element we had to deal with in season two. Sure. It's like, where did Tammy go? What happened? How mm -hmm. does she come back? Do you find that that helps when you have one sort of restrictive aspect you know the expression that's to the effect of uh art is created by the restrictions that you have so I was, oh my god absolutely right yeah i mean i look at my whole career as a filmmaker thus far and it's dealing with a low budget mm -hmm. dealing with available locations available talent um but i i think in addition to just that one um restriction i guess we could call it of how season or, one ended yeah, yeah we also had developed these characters so mm. that was another guiding principle for the story is just like okay we know who sheila is we know who tammy is we know a bit about her son her dad like you know what do these people want like what might be important to them sure like how you know what what kind of challenges might they face what are all the ways that they could fuck up that would be funny and so i imagine that that is a nice feeling to have these characters that you know, that you love, that you've created, that you can take into different avenues, and now you have a longer format with which to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I've been living with these characters for three years because yeah. we started the little, we started doing the little Instagram pieces um, in 2018. Um, well, we were talking about it on the previous episode you were on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. I'm trying to remember, uh, how long have you known Tammy? You've been working with Tammy for quite a while. Um, I mean, I probably, I started talking to her a little bit before 2018, but mm -hmm. I think it was like 2017 or 2018. Um, we worked together on a music video that I was directing for the first time. And after working with her on that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a dynamic individual. Like yeah. I have to find something else to work uh, with them on. Um, and then I was like, well, what if, what about some kind of weird, like sitcom narrative? What if Tammy was like my mom? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we just, with the first, the first iteration of it, we just really like set out to have a good time. Right. I had no idea that I would still be here. I think it's a good on this. way to approach a lot of projects. Something feels good. A collaborator feels like someone you want to work with. Mm -hmm. Just see what you know mess around come up with something screw around especially with you know the availability of cameras now everyone has one mm -hmm. or you know whatever writing just try something for those maybe thinking about starting something absolutely and i think that it's those are the most beautiful projects is when they start as a passion project i think you know I mean, this season is well. We had money for one. <laughs> that's like money helps everything. A big it? difference. Yeah. <laughs> but this season is um, such a beautiful evolution, and just even to to have the opportunity to develop those characters further, yeah, um, and make the world larger um, is cool. And I'm already just like dying to do it again. 
Well, that means that season four will be even more exciting. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get back into your history as a filmmaker. Sure. And go back to when you first started getting interested in the film or maybe aware that you were interested in the film. Yeah. Um, my my entrance into the industry is actually as a choreographer. Mm. Um, so I my undergrad was in dance um, and... I uh, did modern and ballet. I thought in college, I thought I was going to be like a concert dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I quickly realized that concert dance is not really a, a scene that's super accessible. Can you explain concert dancing just a little? Yeah, concert dance is usually like more um, dance shows that take place in traditional like theater settings. Sure. Uh, museums and theater settings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're often like the the economy of that scene is often they're funded by grants mm-hmm. and fellowships and state money. Um, and the beautiful thing about concert dance is that the dance is can be a little riskier sometimes um, because they can uh, kind of exist outside of the commercial space. They can get weird, but. Um, the audience of concert dance skews a little older sure. and, you know, going to like, I remember going to the venue and in Minneapolis where I went to college and, you know, tickets were $29 and everyone that was there was, um, you know, mostly over the age of 40, predominantly white. Um, you know, you've got a house of, you know, 200 people max. Um, and then I, I got into choreographing just like on a fluke, for Lizzo when she was starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lizzo was doing like, you know, arenas of 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 people and, and much larger venues. But it wasn't even really about the the size of the audience. It was just the fact that um making dance in a music environment was mm. really accessible for all. And it felt um just like a better fit for me. So that kind of gave way to working on music videos. Um, which was really cool. I worked as a choreographer on on a bunch of different music videos and started to kind of gain an interest in filmmaking just from uh, collaborating with like the director of photography, the camera people on the camera blocking for the dance or with the director on the, you know, how the dance looks and feels. And um, it got to a place where I would look at what the director was doing. And I was like, I can do that. Yeah. That looks good to me. <laughs> <laughs> like I have ideas, yeah. you know. How did you find the sort of transference of the choreography, either plans that you had or the images that you had? That would be how choreography starts with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I choreography is also really driven by the music, hmm. but yeah, an, Im- an image for sure, a feeling. Yeah, I think that when you look at my narrative work, it's very physical. I think I love physical comedy. I love characters who, you know, I focus a lot when I direct on the embodiment of a character mm-hmm. more than I do on like a line reading or the way something is said. Sure. You know, the way a character like walks into the space. I also just have kind of a penchant for like action Mm-hmm. and dance and running and blocking and um i love to see characters like move through space and um the finale of this season of the browns is actually quite action-packed oh fabulous very action on the level of diehard i've heard oh absolutely yeah, certainly yeah certainly. absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> slightly less uh destruction of property but that's just more of a moral 
thing that you guys if i had the budget craig (laughs) i would be blowing stuff up nakatomi towers would be just out in the yeah in your (laughs) yeah i would set la on fire (laughs) well maybe season four you know that's i'm just hoping i'm just gunning for a tornado to be honest (laughs) that's like my reasonable ask to the network i think so just give me a tornado i don't need the rain machine but listen we gotta whip up a tornado right yeah, that's not bad, right? That's not... I don't think it's a big ask. Like, you just need some big fans. You, like, put a green screen outside the doors and the windows, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? A lot you of sand, Get maybe? some little papers and shit flying through the air. <laughs> debris. You're right. Debris is the heart of a tornado, right? Debris. Yeah. It's yeah. the key to everything. Goggles. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I was curious before, and I sort of cut my own question off, about the the transference of choreographing something for a stage into video, which probably mm. obviously was an easy move for you. But could you describe the process of when you look at, you know, oh, blocking for camera versus blocking for stage? Absolutely. Um, I think that there's there's a few like guiding principles to shooting dance. This is this is all my opinion, by the way. Well, this is this is what you're here for. This, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a few guiding principles to shooting dance well. Yeah, and um, a lot of times, like the the first down in music video set, I connect with the camera team and see if they know these principles. It's <laughs> always uh, good, right? <laughs> or if I have to to strong arm a little bit. But I'm generally someone who believes that like dance should be shot pretty low to the ground. The camera should be in motion a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, should be looking to shoot the dance in a way that um, doesn't always have to feel like presentational, but should feel dynamic. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you watching dance on camera on film will never be as dynamic as watching it live sure so you have to block the camera in a way that adds energy to the dance i imagine it's like a a punch Mm -hmm. you know a theatrical punch versus like a filmed punch you know what i mean or even kissing you know like in a film people are doing certain things that maybe people don't do in real life very subtle changes but it has to read properly on film Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and camera movement is a gift too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much you can achieve convincingly that you know, we there's a there's a lot of of fight scenes in the finale of the Browns, and I don't think that they would look nearly as dynamic if you were just watching them on a stage. Sure. The camera adds so much so much value. That's true. Camera movement and cinematography in general is such a beautiful tool mm-hmm. to use as is lighting, as is every aspect of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite element? A favorite or aspect, aspect of film, or, or the the project, like the stages. You know, sometimes mm. people like the writing best. Sometimes people uh, love shooting. Sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes people like Robert, uh, not Robert Hitchcock or Robin Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock said he loved every step up until the actual making of mm-hmm. the film, which he found tedious because he would, you know, extensively storyboard. He knew how exactly everything was going to go. For you, do you have a favorite stage? Yeah, I think production for sure. Shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a huge I don't storyboard. Mm-hmm. I do like a loose shot list. Um I I love just like that intuitive piece to filmmaking where on the day you're like, okay, this works, this doesn't work, repeat this, try this another way. What if we pull the camera back here? Like that to me is the 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 art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Back to choreography. What was your first interest in dance? 
I went to a performing arts high school freshman year. Um, and I had a, originally thought I was going to major in theater. Mm-hmm. And then I took a dance class and it felt real good. Yeah. <laughs> so you thought you were going to be in theater. And so you thought maybe acting was the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had done a lot of acting when I was younger, musicals and such. Mm, give me some of the um, titles. Well, I was Oliver and Oliver. Well. It was a middle school production. Yes, but the title role. The title role. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was in Sound of Music. I played Kurt. Um, I was in the, I was a monkey in the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, Nathan Detroit and Guys and Dolls Jr. No, this is, this is not what I came here to talk about. Craig. Yes. My middle school theater. Career. Really? Yeah, but you, you know, you know, we get into all aspects of it. It's formative, uh, I suppose. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Formative. formative. Yeah. Formative. We're getting an, uh, a sense of what shaped your, uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. What did you come here to talk about, here about? <laughs> i came to talk about your lighting yeah well we got we already did that we'll get back to it we'll get back to it we could break down light by light but this is audio only yeah i um i do love acting though and i still well, and act you still some. act yeah 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 but it's nice to have a wide range of abilities and interests yes. that you can execute and incorporate in your projects. Yeah, directing is the goat, though. I, I love directing. I hope to I hope to gradually write myself out of the Browns. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah, season to season. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe the tornado takes you out. Oh my God, a dramatic death. Yeah, or it's a cliffhanger. Like who shot Jr. The tornado happens. Maybe move it up earlier in season four, and. You're just gone. I like that. Imagine me just spinning around. Yeah, right. And then whirling <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> you could, you know, all the different shots you can do with that. It, I mean, look, you know, you're the choreographer, right? You, yeah. <laughs> 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 a dance number inside the tornado, right? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I do love like surrealism. Mm. I love to get weird. I don't know that in my life I'll ever direct like a straight drama based in real time in reality yeah. like there's there's always got to be like a drag queen or a time machine or like an <laughs> evil villain or yeah you know a combination perhaps of all right a talking fish i don't know something a little off yeah that's yeah. fine there's plenty of people who can make the stuff that doesn't have those elements that's right we were talking about you being in musicals but what about music that you liked when you were growing up oh my god I grew up very um, Christian, so interesting. This I had, is Maryland, you said. Huh? Was it Minnesota? Maryland? Minnesota. It was one of yeah. the M's, one of the big M's. Yeah, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. So very religious in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What part of Minnesota? Minneapolis. Mm. I was lucky to be to be in the in the mix, but um, I had a lot of like weird Christian artists that I don't even remember. I think Avalon. They did a lot of acapella. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, they were cool. They used to have like, um, my dad would take me to the Christian bookstore. He'd be like, you can pick out one compact disc. I don't know if he said compact disc. He probably said CD. Well, still. But, um, and then they had like every genre there, but it was all Christian. So I found this like um, Christian techno artist called Ultra Beat. Mm-hmm. It's like Christian techno. So I listened to that. And then in high school, I, I did manage to get my hands on like a, a good Charlotte CD. Um, but I don't know. I like all kinds of music. Jazz. I liked jazz a lot. My mom was a jazz pianist. So there was a lot of music in the house. Yes, sir. Yeah. What were your family's opinions about secular music and secular entertainment? Um, I think that I 
I kind of strong darn them in a in a chilling out in high school, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, once your kid is like sixteen, there's only so much you can do. Sure, but right? up to sixteen, it was a little. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my dad was a pastor as well, and I was very involved in the church. And a lot of like my early performing was in the church as well. And I would choreograph my first choreo job was I would choreograph the angels in the church Christmas pageant. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, really, your interest in dance was sparked maybe a little bit younger than you realized. Yeah. Or your abilities, let's say, to put a number together. Yeah. I suppose the church is very dramatic. I mean, it was it was fun, you know. Well, no, it is dramatic. The smoking purses, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> they had bats that would like swoop around in the sanctuary. Really high drama. Would those be the bats of the Belfry? Those the bats of Brooklyn Center. Oh, okay, the yeah, the very the infamous. Yeah, I love that docu series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The bats of Brooklyn Center. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like twenty four parts each three hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but get into it. I'm not sure what network <laughs> it's on. But it might be streaming. No, well, check it out. Everything's on demand now. That's right. You can literally type in Google anything, and you can you can watch it on demand, especially on Tubi. Tubi. T U B I. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, Hugh and Tubi. They're just changing the Hugh, world. Hugh Tubi. <laughs> So if uh, the predominant entertainment in the household was Christian music or instrumental, I'm guessing, because mm-hmm. of the jazz leanings of your mother. Now, your dad, was he a jazz head as well? or No, but he would lead worship in the church band. Did he play an instrument as well? or Mostly sing. He could play a little guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever fiddle with an instrument? I did a year of string bass. Mm-hmm which was so heavy and I was just so small and so thin and that string bass was so heavy to carry around. It's really rough on the fingers too. Yeah, but I liked it. I chose that one because it was versatile. It could do yeah. jazz. It's the only orchestra instrument instrument that could also do jazz. No, that's true, yeah. Yeah, and then I tried. I tried did piano, but mm-hmm. when your mom's your piano teacher, it's just like <laughs> hard. Very, that's very difficult. Yeah. Would you have uh, trouble staying motivated, or was it just the the uh, mom son relationship sort of overriding the instructional capabilities? I can't. I can't put all the blame on her. I mean, I think why that, not? She's not here. <laughs> <laughs> There's something kind of type A about piano practice, and I'm just very not not type a i had i had a hard time motivating the the practice piece Mm -hmm. of it but i really enjoyed when i would get a piece down i really enjoyed performing it on the piano yeah the beginning of any instrument the first year it's a lot of just repetition yeah i wish i'd stayed i mean i was like i i did piano for a number of years and i was like a couple years away from sight reading being able to just like sight read pretty effortlessly so Mm -hmm. i'm bummed i give it up when i did and she told me she was like you're gonna be mad (laughs) <laughs> that you didn't stick with it. And I was like, no, I'm not mom. I'm what sick do of you this. Know? Yeah, you I don't want to dance. And we had a, a blind piano tuner. So he was very accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was good. Hmm. How often was the piano tuned? It was always kept in tune? Um, I mean, I yeah. I, I, I don't remember the piano tuner coming over more than like maybe twice a year. Hmm. Well, I guess it depends on the humidity of the area. That's true. In that area, it's not that humid, right? Uh, So, yeah, so Minnesota and a religious upbringing. How many Mm -hmm. times would you go to church? Because I've discovered with some recent guests that uh, the once a week thing sometimes just no. I would go twice a week. Twice a week. What days of the week? Wednesdays and Sundays. What's what is it about Wednesday? I've heard that a couple times from people who go more than once. That Wednesday seems to be Mm -hmm. the other big day. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like midweek. Wednesday would be a lot more like small group type stuff, like you know. 
youth group and um, rehearsal for what we're going to do on Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Again, very theatrical, dramatic church. Mm-hmm. You're rehearsing. Yeah. yeah. My yeah. dad and I used to write little skits for like that we'd perform on Sunday in the youth sermon mm-hmm. about like good values. Oh, okay. Um, so it'd be like, we'd have lightsabers and then we'd, we'd be like, there'd be like a virtuous like Christian lightsaber person and mm-hmm. there'd be like a demon with a lightsaber representing like dishonesty or mm-hmm. envy or, mm-hmm. you know, some negative value. Yeah. And at, that's how every skit would end is with a lightsaber battle. So then what was school like for you? Did you enjoy school? I did. High school was great because I was in an arts environment and that was nice. Yeah. But prior to high school, did you like school? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Not nowhere near as much as. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Indifferent. I mean, I, I, I liked opportunities to be creative. I think I pretended to be interested in a lot of things I wasn't interested <laughs> in. Like many young, young queers do. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a particularly like negative school experience. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, when did you start to get an inkling that you were queer? Um, I was a late bloomer. I was mm-hmm. like completely clueless until I was almost in the ninth grade. Mm. Well, that's, you know, that's not that late. Yeah, but like to not even, not even, Yeah. Yeah, it was ninth grade, and it mm-hmm. was like a I like uh, fell in love with this guy, mm-hmm. um, who um, yeah, changed changed the game. Okay, so there was a relationship. There was sort of. I mean, in my mind, there was. I don't know if he would characterize it as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was weird. I mean, it was two thousand five, and it, like people, it still wasn't super common to like come out in high school. So we were all closeted. Even though we were at an art school, it's hilarious. Location is everything, as they always say in real estate. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. So was it like smooching or something like that, or just a special yeah, friendship? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 When was your first uh, full sexual experience? My then? first full sexual experience, Craig? <laughs> oh, my God. I guess like Are in high school. Are you surprised that I'm asking you that? I no, mean, no. <laughs> I know where I am. I, it was in high school. Yeah. 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 It was in high school. No, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, like middle of high school, mm-hmm. like right in the center. Yeah. That's good. So then it seems like things were going smoothly. Yeah, that was a game changer because once that happens, you like you really do walk around a little different. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I am this. This is what it is. This is the gig. Like everyone better get used to it. Yeah. Um, and I, I knew with confidence then. And I was, I was, I was pretty lucky, even though my parents were were religious when i was younger they came around fairly quickly not not right away but fairly quickly what was it like when you first discussed it with them or did you discuss it with them how did it come about that they were made aware i like basically i I brought it to them and they were like no you're not and i was like okay maybe we'll try again later (laughs) And, and i brought it up a second time and they were like are you sure are you sure i don't i don't know I don't think you are like, I don't, I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> guess I'll bring it up later. And then I brought it up again. They were like, okay, yeah, we're, we were, let's, let's figure this out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they were really sweet. They went to like a P flag meeting, just like parents for gays and lesbians. Mm-hmm. Cause they didn't, you know, they didn't grow up really knowing any queer people. Um, so they went and, and learned more about the community. 
Um, and they're very sweet and supportive. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And what is the queer community like in Minnesota or Minneapolis rather? Minneapolis, it's pretty vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's like a huge dichotomy between the twin cities and then like greater Minnesota, I would say. And what is, is that? How would you describe it? I, it's pretty liberal. It's pretty international, like uh, in the Twin Cities. Like Minneapolis has the greatest, um, the largest population of like Hmong and Somalian refugees in the United States. Oh, wow. So you can get just mm-hmm. about any kind of food there. Um, there's like a, a pretty good amount of gay clubs per capita. Uh, but greater Minnesota is pretty conservative. Interesting. So yeah. you can drive, you know, I would, I would we went to visit, to visit some friends that we met on like a, a trip once it was like four hours outside the city. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was on another planet. The looks I got in the Denny's Craig. <laughs> the looks. Yeah. Oh, the looks in the Denny's. The looks in the Denny's. I remember driving out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky on a road trip to New Orleans and maybe about 90 minutes away. We, we thought, Oh, we, let's get gas now. Mm-hmm. And, We'd been in Louisville for like two weeks or something. Louisville's very different from the rest of Kentucky. Yeah. And you really don't realize that until you go a little further, especially with my first time there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was similar to Wendy's in a gas station, you know. <laughs> yeah. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. Driving across America, I get spooked so, a lot, quite a bit, you know. Have you gone back and forth a lot? driven around the I've, country a lot i've done a road trip from minnesota la i've done a road trip from minnesota to um florida hmm. so those trips have have taken me through <laughs> through it through it yeah <laughs> the full the full journey but i love los angeles hmm. now when did you first think of moving to los angeles um i i moved here three and a half years ago I had I had moved back from I out of college I moved to New York for a few years and mm. then I moved to China for about a year and a half. Wow. And then I moved back to Minneapolis thinking that I was just going to be there for a little pit stop. And then I had like a bit of a, a a quarter life crisis and became a high school teacher for a few years. Wow. And What um, subject were you teaching? Um I was teaching dance electives and mm-hmm. history electives. That's an interesting combination. So you have a deep love for history then i do i love history what uh, any any me. particular tunnels of history um i love film history mm. i love musical theater history um those were like the two electives that i taught mm-hmm. well that makes um, sense it's good i mean you love them so yeah it's much better than some other subject i can't imagine if they asked me to teach you know russian history yeah. Euro- european history well i wouldn't be qualified first well, he- of all here are the books uh we start in two weeks yeah. and uh good luck yeah <laughs> i mean teaching film history pushed me though mm. you know you already had a, a love for film i, imagine, I had a right? love for film but to, to create a syllabus is a whole other whole other kettle beast. of fish yeah definitely yeah kettle of beasts what are some of the films that you remember first loving when you were younger always loved action mm. i love james bond sure speed with keanu reeves and sandra bullock is one of my favorite movies of all time so then what's your take on speed 2 on the cruise ship is that what it is I it's never... a cruise ship oh. it's an out of control cruise ship then maybe i have to see it because that it's bananas scenario is yeah. fantastic it's yeah. good mm-hmm. yeah i trust keanu reeves the john wick series is great mm-hmm. um do you have a favorite bond that's hard. The world is not enough. 
I'll uh, just say. Sure. That's the first impulse with Denise yeah. Richards. Well, first impulse means that's how you, mm-hmm. you feel in your heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, Star Wars, Craig. Star I'm Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, fantastic. So Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. That's like your favorite of the Star Wars films? Of course. Mm. Uh, what's the director's name again? Irwin Irving Kirshner? Irving Kirshner. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Nice that's Jewish a, gentleman. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. director. Yeah, he did a... I'm trying to remember his other films right now. We could look them up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and David Lynch was approached to do Return of the Jedi, right? I didn't know that. He was, but he elected to do Dune instead. Okay. But who knows what that would have been like, him directing Return of the Jedi. Because mm. I don't know... You know, he had trouble with Dino De Laurentiis. I don't know. Maybe he might have had trouble with George Lucas. Right. And then we wouldn't have had the bizarre masterpiece that is <laughs> Dune. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, George Lucas is not... Um, his movies... His Star Wars movies are not the strongest ones. Interesting. Now, his would be the, of course, the first one, mm-hmm. and then the that others. One's, that one's good. Yeah, but, but that's you... like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the origin. That's like well, the foundation of the whole thing. But I'm thinking the rest in terms of because uh, he the directed other ones. the prequels. Oh, he directed all the prequels. Okay, I believe. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I've only seen one and a half of the prequels. I wasn't terribly keen. Uh, yeah. on those although i really like that last batch although i haven't seen all of them mm-hmm. the one with adam driver and mm-hmm. carrie fisher yes of course. i'm a huge carrie fisher fan i was just watching one of her projects the other day that i'm sure you would love if you haven't seen it already it's on prime it's these old broads with joan collins shirley mcclain debbie reynolds and um who else is in the supporting cast kevin nealon has a funny cameo this. it's so good and so Carrie Fisher wrote it. it. Oh, and Liz Taylor, that's who else is in it. So there's a major thing in it where the Liz Taylor character and the Debbie Reynolds character have this conversation about how one of them stole the other one's husband. Oh my God. It is wild. Incredible. Because, yeah, the daughter is writing the dialogue for these two to have this conversation. For those not familiar with the whole thing, just, mm-hmm. look, at it, just look up Carrie Fisher, Liz Taylor, whatever. You'll see it in a second. It's a good time. Carrie Fisher was like the Switzerland of that her whole dysfunctional family. Though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. from what I've what I've seen, she was the one who was able to, you know, have a relationship with Eddie, have a relationship with her mom, and have a relationship with Liz. Yeah, know? none of those, I think, especially easy mm-hmm. tasks. Particularly her father. Her father seems like oh, quite a piece of was work. A dick bag. Yeah. What? Um, have you seen Bright Lights? Uh, is that the documentary about the two of them? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah and I it's always like forget the name of last. it for some reason. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Such a beautiful doc. It's so great. And I think it's up on HBO Max. or If you have HBO, go check it out. Because, it's on HBO, yeah. Yeah, and Max I love because it's got all the documentaries. Not all of them, sadly. Mm. There's still one that I managed to find, but there's a documentary from 1980 called Beautiful Baby Beautiful about the supermodels of that era that is just phenomenal. I'll have to send it to you. Okay. But uh, Bright Lights is fantastic. So good. Now, you must be a fan of Postcards from the Edge then. Oh, yeah. That's really yeah, great. That's a really good film, really good book. And Wishful Drinking is great. Love it. I love everything Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Basically. I've read almost every single one of her books. Fascinating family, indeed. Yeah. And also, uh, for anyone who struggles with any kind of any kind of mental stuff, her books are really a go-to. Yeah. I mean, she was one of the first uh, women in Hollywood to be really outspoken about mental illness and mental health. She had that like interview with Diane Sawyer. Yeah. When was that? Like late 90s, maybe 2000 so. yeah. or something where yeah. she was like, yeah, this is a thing, y'all. Some people are mentally ill. Yeah. It doesn't mean we live in a loony bin. Yeah. She did a lot for for the whole cause. Yeah. Do you have any other favorite actresses? I grew up on Tyne Daly. Oh my, well, did you see the box set over there? 
What? Oh, uh, Cagney and Lacey. The complete. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the reunion films are very disappointing. Oh, I'm sure. But if you'd like them, I'll send them. To I you. I know her from Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, and Judging Amy. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I never. I saw a couple episodes of Judging Amy, but this sounds like it was a big favorite of yours. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it has all like the exploitative nature of a Law and Order SVU, but with children. So you love action. Would you like to make an action film someday, like a straight out, you know, hardcore yeah. action film? That's honestly like if you were to be like John Mark, what's the dream? I'd be like, I want to make like a like a queer blockbuster action movie. Mm. Um, you know, and you'd the uh, honestly like the the finale of the Browns is like pretty. It's pretty close to that. the mm-hmm. The second half of the the finale is pretty rocking. But growing up, I loved action movies and James Bond, but it's just a genre that's like so devoid of queerness and. Mm. I think that I always, in my fantasy world too, would pretend that I was able to like do kung fu and jump off buildings and drift cars and beat people up. And maybe it was about feeling helpless in the real world and wanting to feel like big and strong and masculine. Mm. But I also just love the camp of it. It, they're very campy action movies are like yeah they're the campiest movies outside of queer movies i believe yeah i love the stakes the high stakes oh yeah high drama yeah yeah it's fun and i love when they're creative my my favorite one of my favorite movies of recent time is good time it's oh the, yeah the Saf, safty brothers who yeah. did uncut gems i have to see uncut gems yeah the good time have you seen good time yeah yeah good time to me is like the type of action movie i would want to make yeah it's really uh stressful yeah and it but it has like a grit to it Mm -hmm. it's like very it feels very like human i don't know like kind of organic and human and not super like you know like the expendables and some of these other you know fast and furious everything just looks so presentational and so polished and it's an it's they do the action genre in a way that feels gritty and real it's interesting you, you said the thing about the escapism aspect of it which all entertainment isn't is to some degree but it's also therapeutic mm-hmm. and to some degree so you would imagine yourself kind of in in those uh moments when maybe you felt like things weren't the way you'd like them in day-to-day life yeah i mean i think that all kinds of little people dream of all kinds of things that make them feel big and strong some kids pretend they're in the army some kids pretend they're you know, firefighters or policemen, cops and robbers. For me, I just have always really wanted to be a secret agent. Well, that'd be a good move. Like, what if you were and we didn't know it? Because it's also hiding in plain sight, right? Which is another classic trope. Exactly. Of that genre. Just start speaking Russian on this podcast. Right. Like it slips out. Oh, oh. And you're like, can you cut that thing that I said about Russian history? Because I don't want to, for no no reason or anything. It's just... uh, my parents are very anti-communist okay yeah, that's all, that's the note i'm gonna get um yeah see being a secret agent that whole premise too is in that movie about chuck barris um confessions of a dangerous mind did you ever see that with george clooney a long time ago yeah it's not fresh well the basic premise uh for those listening the gong show was like one of the biggest shows of the late 70s and its host chuck barris was also a tv producer who did like, i think the match game he had like a hundred shows <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly but only slightly and in his book his autobiography he claims that he was also a cia agent and there's no way to prove or disprove this so therefore it's one of my favorite stories 
ever. So later you're going to write a tell-all book, very similar to Chuck Barris. Yes. And um, I'm a double agent for the country of Panama. <laughs> Wait, you were talking about immigrants before. I'm going to have to report you to the authorities. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Just, it's my duty as an American. You know, it's rat people out. And, I understand. Uh, but we'll, we'll get back to that later on. Your theory about how things should be filmed, particularly dance, should be filmed. Do you have any favorite dance sequences in anything that you've seen? Honestly, the best way that I've seen dance shot in Hollywood is in the most recent Suspiria movie. I think what makes it unique from other really dynamic dance films is the sound design. Mm. They work in like the the breath and like the percussive nature of like your feet and body hitting the floor. And I think as a dancer, that's something that's such a visceral part of the experience that you don't really see from far away yeah so it was like a mix of the camera blocking and the sound design around the dance in that film that that really did it for me in the original there's about 30 seconds to 45 seconds of actual dancing and it's very just simple like just put your arms up and walk across the room oh. arms up and walk across the room other films about dancers i'm curious to get your take on them whenever you watch a movie about a subject you know a lot about sometimes they work sometimes you go oh they didn't put one ounce of thought into this and then there's films like Robert Altman's The Company. Have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? I like it. I mean, I don't... It is It is hard for me to watch dance films. Like, I, I can't stand the Step Up movies. I think they're terrible. Center Stage is fun, but it's like... It's ballet. It's mm. very ballet. Um, Black Swan was cool. It's funny, like, all my favorite dance films are so dark. And I think it's because, <laughs> like dancers are perceived to be these like you know pretty little angelic things but dance is is grueling it's a really tough physical act and so i i tend to like the stuff that when when films are darker Mm. you know the dancers are troubled when they're you know like possessed yeah (laughs) to me that rings more true well yeah because there's a level of obsession if you're going to achieve any level of professional uh, uh, work with with dance that you have to have, you know, and, and it's very taxing on the body and you're driven. And also with some situations, the critiques are not necessarily that friendly. It's something that pushes you. It requires so much vulnerability to be a really good dancer. Mm-hmm. And it's something that pushes you both mentally and physically. And there's not a lot of things in this world that I feel like push you on both of those fronts so intensely. Sure. And as a choreographer, you must encounter a lot of different psyches. I mean, I think that I'm, as a choreographer, and I've always been attracted to um, certain kinds of dancers. I can't even really put my finger on what it is, certain certain energies. Um but there's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's dancers out in the world who are technicians where they really are just like gymnasts. They're like, tell me where to put my body. I'll put it there. And they, there's a creative piece to it for them, but they really are like technicians. And there's other dancers that are a lot more, they like to talk about the movement. They're more, they're more connected to choreographers with a lot of story or a lot of process there's you know there's all kinds of dancers in this world but i i guess i'm kind of like attracted to the spaces in between mm-hmm. between like 
post oh excuse me how oh, that's rude. okay oh my god <laughs> that's all right the it, space it happens to everyone between like you know postmodern dance for social justice mm-hmm. and like technical gymnastic uh dance sure i'm attracted to the space in between where you know we can we can talk deeply about dance we can understand all the symbolism all like you know what it what it means to do certain moves and but we're also not taking it too seriously sure enjoying dance as a commercial art form as well oh and of course we have to mention all that jazz Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. Right? It's yeah. one of the best movies ever that's made, good. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good movie. <laughs> that's really good. Nice and dark mm-hmm. and very funny. And, and Sensual. So, yes, absolutely. It's got everything. Yeah. It really does have everything. Yeah. It even has like a moment where you have to cover your eyes if you're squeamish. It's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's got drugs. <laughs> yeah. It's in got a mundane way, though. Like the drugs are just sort of part of the package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that whole sequence with the speaking of sound design, when he's having the heart attack mm-hmm. in the read through, is one of my favorite moments of all time because all the sound drops out, and then you just hear his nails scraping on the. Th- it's oof. it. Oof, even thinking about it gives me uh, the shivers a little bit. That reminds me also of other choreographers that you admire. Jaquel Knight is really cool. Mm-hmm. He um he choreographed the Beyonce Coachella performance. Mm. Um, and uh, NERD and Rihanna's Lemon video, which is really cool. Um, and JLo's Super Bowl performance, he did as well. On the like concert dance spectrum, I really love Netherlands dance and um, Batsheva. They're mm-hmm. like an Israeli um, dance company. It's really incredible. Israel has like crazy good modern dance. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me more about college. Where'd you go to college? University of Minnesota. Minnesota, right? Yeah. So you stayed in Minnesota, mm-hmm. but I imagine college was a lot more free and easy than high school yeah. days. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I was both were arts environments, both were dance programs that I was in. So, um, college felt very familiar, um, in that way. But yeah, college was a was a blast and it was cool to be dancing every day, but also doing like liberal arts classes. And mm-hmm. I would say like, yes, I learned how to dance at college, but I also learned how to write. Hmm. Like I had I had professors who really pushed me as a writer. And that's still like uh, is something that that benefits me today, even when I'm putting like a pitch deck together for a sure. show yeah. or applying for funding or writing a script or writing a summary or, you know, writing copy for marketing. Like, um, I think that those writing skills in college were just as much of a blessing as the dance skills. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny too, all the things that, all the skills that you acquire throughout other mm-hmm. projects or other things that may not even seem exciting at the time or worthwhile later on they add up into the overall uh, skill base. Yeah. Which helps you with the thing you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you moved to New York, where did you move? Um, I moved to Bed-Stuy. Hmm. Yeah. What was I it did. like at that time? It was fun. I, Bed-Stuy was um, starting to get more gentrified. I was probably part of the problem. <laughs> um, That's but, a good title. John Mark part of the problem part of the problem man 
Um, but no, New York was cool. I was actually, um, I moved to New York um, to model. Mm-hmm. And that period of my life, I was actually back and forth between New York and Shanghai quite a bit for work. Okay, so that's what led you to Shanghai. Now, when did yeah. you start doing the modeling? And what was the occurrence that led to that? Um, I started modeling like freshman year of college. Um, and in Minnesota, it's very commercial. So like my first my first big job was like a Target commercial. Mm-hmm. But my I because I was so tall and gangly and 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 had a certain look, I my agent at the time was like, you know, you're kind of a fashion look. So, you know, should probably go where the fashion is. <laughs> you know, that's always a good line. Go where the fashion go is. Go where the fashion is. That sounds so much more dramatic than it was. <laughs> yeah. So I went to New York to do that. And then I was also like dancing a little bit. But um, to be completely honest, like I was always a stronger choreographer than I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always more interested in like coming up with ideas and putting dances together than just being a technician. Um, this but, this holds uh, like the through line with you finding directing to be the most interesting aspect yeah, of filmmaking. Absolutely. the The modeling thing wasn't something I was particularly passionate about, but it was something that I learned could give me the opportunity to travel on someone else's dime. What was it like the first time traveling overseas for you? It was fun. It was a little scary. China is like not, um, let's say what China is. China is a wonderful place. It's a little wild. There's not a lot of rules. It's a little disorganized sometimes. (laughs) I love the culture. I love the food. Sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I was like in a a model apartment with a bunch of Russians. Wow. I'm going to castings every day and... um, Quite an interesting deep end of the pool in terms of experiences outside of the country. Yeah, you dropped into to spend basically most of your life in Minnesota. Now, New York, sure you were there, mm-hmm. but and New York is its own um, culture shock in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that's like really mixing it up. You got <laughs> and yeah. you're living with a whole bunch of other people you don't know. Yeah, in a what, describe the model apartment. Um. The first one I stayed in, it was three bedrooms and they would put us like um, two models to a room. So there's six of us in the apartment. And a 50-50 chance that you'll get along with or not get along with your (laughs) roommate. (laughs) I was pretty lucky. I had a few like, you know, everyone's contracts start and end at different times. Mm. Everyone's on a different contract. So like during the, the probably collective year and a half that i was on different contracts there i had like seven different roommates Mm -hmm. Uh, but most of them were nice a lot of like one of them was so weird he's like this ukrainian boy who's like definitely workout obsessed and Uh um yeah they're very like um they just don't have an understanding of queerness too. So that they would immediately be kind of like, whoa, like what you're gay. And be like, yeah, you probably are too. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, oh, that's so funny. When you said modeling, you just automatically think that you'll be around people who are at least okay with the premise. Do you know what I mean? Well, here's the thing is that like, I was part of like, you know, the D-list model community. And we have different markets. We don't, like, I don't get to go do, like, Paris and Milan. 
Sure. I have to do like Shanghai, Hangzhou, Shenzhen, you know? Sure. It's my, my circuit is different. Yeah, but I was thinking more just the models themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like after a certain just ex- amount of uh, exposure to the industry, you would, one would think or assume, but one would be right. uh, assuming incorrectly. But that's what I'm saying is like a lot of the people at my the oh, level it, that my agencies were sure, at sure. were literally like scouted from gotcha. a small town in Russia. I see. To, okay. to model in China. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> so they're going directly from a small town in Russia to, well, the model to work as a model in, China, in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so you'd be going back and forth. When did you taper that off, and what led to that? I I think I was 24, and I because I had kind of a boyish look. My my competition was always eighteen year old boys, so that kind of got old because I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't a model that could really graduate to doing like watches and suits and car commercials. Sure, it was like a boy look, and so um, I was like, okay, I got to figure out something else to do. Mm. So then I went back to New York for a second, but then I went back to Minnesota. Just because just I hadn't really been around my family. And my, my little brother, who's nine years younger than me, and I'm very close with him, I felt like I had missed a lot of his growing up. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a second and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll start like an e-commerce business. Yeah. You know, it's like fashion adjacent to modeling. Sure. And so I started a store, an online store where I had like local designers do things on consignment and that business didn't really pan out because then um, that high school teaching job came up and I was like, well, sometimes when a door opens, let me walk through this. Mm -hmm. And then I was teaching high school. And and what was that like, by the way, working with students? Oh, it was amazing. It's the most badass thing I've ever done. Would you like to teach again someday? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's it takes every. I mean, it's such hard work. Yeah, it's such hard, work, but it's such good work, and it was cool. Um, it was a wonderful experience, mm-hmm. um, especially in an arts environment. It was yeah. really cool, and yeah, there's just like nothing more pure than supporting young adults honestly sure and also passing along information knowledge and references yeah, yeah. Like that that might spark a whole new inspiration for some kid absolutely what was your approach to attacking the history of film for students mm-hmm. i mean there was some like existing literature that they had and some existing like course planning that they were they were using but they always encouraged us to refresh the Mm. syllabus refresh the the course and i mean my plan of attack it's it's pretty much you just like go through time and you you have you got to show citizen kane you do have to show citizen you got to show a james cameron film you got to show titanic Mm -hmm. you know the record breakers sure um what did you slip in that were not the standard i'm pressed to remember i made them watch empire strikes back maybe it was new hope What's your feeling about Jar Jar Banks? We never talked about that. So <laughs> we never talked about that. Yeah, it's the loaded uh, question that was lurking, like an My elephant. My feeling in the room. about Jar Jar Banks. Are you into the fan edits where they take Jar Jar out? I haven't seen those, but that's hilarious. I love the devotion of those folks. I know. My thing is this: I think, I think Star Wars 
is meant to be given to the children. Mm-hmm. So do I like Jar Jar Banks? Absolutely not. <laughs> but do I think it's okay for Star Wars to not, um, you know, make all its creative decisions based on the nerdy 50-year-old and 60 <laughs> and 40 and 30-year-old fans? Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah. I think they can move in a way that will entice children. Sure. Fair enough. You know? Yeah. And then they change direction. Everyone seems to be happy. Yeah. But they're finding ways to make everyone happy. Like, like, I don't talk to a lot of people who didn't enjoy The Mandalorian. True. The Mandalorian was good. Rogue One was really good. Mm -hmm. They they do pretty well. Yeah. Considering how many generations are, you know. Deeply, deeply invested. Deeply invested. Yeah. Yeah. What else did we not uh, cover that you would like to cover? What else did we not cover? Um, I guess just how important it is that everyone watch the Browns. Well, that I thought was obvious, but you know what? You're right. It's very important. It's very that important. You guys watch it. It's important for society, I think. And as it a is. you know, an upstanding member of society, do your part. And we need people to watch it so we can do it again. That's right, because queer that's how tv works that wait it is uh-huh okay i'm glad i had a suspicion but now you've confirmed <laughs> it for me and also uh support queer artists yeah make an effort queer artists yeah yeah because sometimes it's not the first thing that's on the suggested for you menu oh or, it never is yeah what would you suggest to anyone who's looking to follow a career in the arts such as yours uh stay open-minded to doors that open to you along the way I've had a lot of pivots um, in my career, but they've always helped me get where I wanted to be. So I don't know. Don't be afraid to explore other artistic endeavors adjacent to what you want to do. Right. Um, Because, you know, we also live in a capitalist society. But there's there's a whole world of, like, I always tell the kids, like, they 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 the the high school kids always be like oh i want to be an actor i want to be a director i want to be a costume maker it's like there's there's hundreds hundreds upon hundreds of different creative careers out there in the world so much to explore um and also like you know work hard but also don't be afraid to like re-strategize and step back and look at things objectively well john thank you for coming and uh, sharing your philosophies, thoughts, and exciting news about the new season of The Browns. Thank you for having me, Craig. 